we're dealing with cages. You know, it's amazing when you think about the setup, like being on the beach. Okay, I'm loving the scenery. We have a real ocean and we have palm trees blowing. We are in Florida right now. You can tell by just look. That, that's a great, right? It's, this is a great this is a great setup. We got the beach chair. We got, we got the, 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 the suntan oil. We got the radio. We got floating devices. We got trunks. We got, hat, we got, we got the free life chapel surfboard. We, we got the bucket and the We've got everything you need to have an absolute blast on the beach. There's just one thing. There's a cage in the way. It looks so good. It's the right place that, that you just want to go, you, like you could relax here looking at the water except the fact that it's caged in. It just doesn't fit. Can you imagine going to Clearwater Beach and when you get to Clearwater, you have to choose which cage you're going to sit in to enjoy the beach today? Can you imagine, can you imagine like saving your money and flying to Maui? And before you head to the beach, you get your, you get your coconut full of whatever you want to put in it. Hey. And you go walking out, and they say, oh, right this way. And they take you to the, the beaches in Maui, and they lead you inside of a cage and tell you, enjoy your day. I don't think so. It's, it's, it's frustrating to be in the right place, but you can't even enjoy where you are. I'm in the right place, but something is in the way. Yes, umbrella, pina colada, and one big stomping cage, please. I would like to, no, nobody orders that. But the truth is, we can find ourselves in those situations. And the problem is this, your cages will turn your paradise into a prison. When I should be enjoying life, but I'm frustrated by it. I'm, I'm in the right place, but I'm limited. I'm shut down. I'm not living as big as I should. I should be further down the road than where I am right now. I should be experiencing more in life than what I'm experiencing. This marriage should be stronger. My finances should be better. Life should be stronger. Why am I not living that? Here's the problem. Our cages are built by our own decisions. Many times we make those decisions based on lies we believe. We're building our own cages. Now, the only thing more frustrating than someone putting a cage around you is when you put a cage around yourself. I, I understand people wanting to hold us back and we can start pointing fingers and hating on people, but today, there ain't no finger pointing. I'm bringing it all right back to the man in the mirror. Thank you, Michael. And we're gonna talk about the man in the mirror today and deal with the things that you and I are building in our own life. Would you turn to someone and tell them, sometimes I get on my own nerves. Just go ahead and just tell them, sometimes I get on my own nerves. Why do we keep making wrong decisions when we know better? You ever done that? I shouldn't do this. You ever been, have you ever told yourself that while you were doing it? Oh, I should not be going out with him. I should not be, oh my God, what am I doing? Hey, I couldn't wait to get here. How are you? It's, it's amazing how we'll, we'll, we'll do this. The, uh, Paul, like the quarterback of the Christianity, he wrote this, the things I don't want to do, I'm doing. The things I do want to do, I'm not. He's like, I'm getting really good at jacking this situation up. We all have that ability in this room. You watching online, you've got that ability right here with us. We all have a way of twisting things. Why is it that we do that? It's because everybody in this room and watching online, we all share in the same addiction. 
No, I'm not talking about you just that. well, I'm just kind of, no, you have an addiction. You have an addiction. I have this same addiction. It's biblical. We're going to lay it out. We're going to deal with it today. You and I have an addiction and it's called pleasure. I'm addicted to making me feel good. You are too. Don't look at me with that attitude. In fact, look at somebody else. Don't even look at me right now. Y'all, y'all trying to throw that back at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. I know you. Because it's how we're wired. There's something inside of you that chooses the easy path. Something inside of you chooses what feels good, what tastes good, what looks good. I just want, I want whatever looks and feels good. We go after those things. It's crazy. We, whatever I crave, I, I, I want that. Whatever I desire, get, go get me some. If it feels good, I want to do that thing. A passion, yes. It's crazy how we'll do that stuff. You know why? Because I love me some me. And you love you some you. Yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. I you know it's the truth. It's, it's, we, we create so many of our own problems. Have you ever been on a diet, but you went and bought cookies at Publix anyway? Like, like you bought cookies at Publix, you took them and put them in the pantry, and you know you're trying to cut back, you know you're trying to cut back, and all of a sudden you walk around the house just frustrated and go, oh, praise the Lord, there are some cookies in there. And you go, and you, and you wonder why you ain't losing no weight. You just wonder why you ain't losing no weight. Oh, you did it. So raise your hand and admit it, right? We have all do that. Anybody ever hit the snooze button five times and then get angry because you're late for work? Why? Because sleep felt so good. Oh, you love you some you, don't you? And we set our own selves up. We blame it on the train, but it wasn't the train. It doesn't nobody blocking you. Overslept. Our culture is addicted to pleasure. It, it is addicted. It feeds pleasure to you. Commercials. I've been sitting in my house perfectly fine until they flash a pizza commercial. You've done it too. Pleasure. Pleasure. That's why we buy cars we can't afford. Pleasure. Pleasure. It's amazing how that thing talks to us, that voice in our head. Pleasure. It comes after us. We start, we start teaching this to our kids at a young age. No, we, we, we pour into them. Life, fun, amazing, wonderful. And I'm all about a wonderful life, but, but let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Open your Bibles to the book of Cinderella. <laughs> and you will see the first verse is once upon a time. And the last verse is, and they lived happily ever after. You, by the way, you'll find that also in the book of Cinderella and Snow White and everybody else out there. It's always pushing this utopian, just go after what feels good. It's going to be amazing. It always works out. You have the perfect marriage with Prince Charming. It's going to be great. You get to talk with your pets. They understand you. A genie is going to grant your every wish. It's going to be great. You're loved by everyone, and you get to live at the castle in Disney World. It's going to be absolutely wonderful because it's a small world after all, and you just get to live live in that utopium, can I help you something? Does anybody really believe that you're living happily ever after? Is that real? Why do we keep chasing it? Why do we keep chasing it? 
Like, like we keep going after, I'm telling you, it just, it just doesn't work. I mean, Cindy has all those things I just mentioned and it's still not enough for Cindy. The truth is, we have this thing called taxes we have to deal with. We go through breakups. We have allergies. Wrinkles are coming and coming. Uh, make sure you get your tattoo where it's not going to droop too bad because they'll say, let me spread it out. What is it? You, you got you to make sure that life happens to all of us. First John chapter 2. Let me give you scripture so you believe this is spiritual. First John chapter 2 is really important for us to look at. It says, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. John busts it wide open and he nails all of us with these, the three big pillars of what everybody in this room and you online, what we all struggle with. He boiled it down to three things. He said the first one was the lust of the flesh. What, what is the lust of the flesh? It means just all sensual pleasures. Anything that just, it's sensual. The senses of, my, of who I am, is just, yes. It's those sexual escapades. It's just to feed this craving, this sexual desire inside. It's all of those things. Whatever just feeds that. Isn't it funny how you, you can watch the X Games on ESPN and when someone gets done doing this stupid, you got to be kidding me, backflip on a tricycle and they land it in front of the entire world and then they run up to them and they stick a microphone in their face. How does it feel? It's all about how we feel. Did you get the feeling you were going after? Seek for the feeling, search for the feeling, chase the feeling. And we wonder why life is going sideways because we're chasing feelings, not reality. Can I remind you something about feelings? Feelings are chemicals. Feelings are dopamine. It's, it's, it's those things that are just released in your brain. And we're chasing drugs all of our life trying to get that sensation back. The Bible says lust of the flesh, that sensual pleasure, that thing, it screams inside of all of us. Oh, he then goes and says the lust of the eyes, money, possessions, some stuff. How many know we have a lot of stuff? How many know we want more stuff? How many know we're trying to sell the stuff in a garage sale that we didn't, that we thought we wanted, we didn't like it, it cost too much, and now we're trying to resell the stuff. What, what do we do? We, and then, so we go buy other people's stuff that they're tired of, they don't want their stuff, so we go to their garage and we buy it out of their garage to put it in our garage so that we can sell it in our garage a year later. <laughs> stuff. Our homes are nothing more than got me museums. I got me one of them and I got me one of them. And look right there, I got me one of them, got me one of them. And we got all these things to show off our stuff. And it's not enough. Because you know as soon as you bought it, you were tired of it three weeks later. And now you stuck with the payment. Got that brand new car, you washed the paint off it for the first three weeks. All of a sudden now, dang. Now it's got McDonald's bags piled up in the back with Chick-fil-A in the front. You always put McDonald's in the back, Chick-fil-A in the front. Hey, you got all these bags just piled right? It's, it's amazing how it just wears off money and possessions. Then he says the pride of life. The other one, the passion, the desire for fame and prestige. Make sure they know my name. Don't you know who I am? And so we try to buy labels to make us look like we're something in front of people who really don't care. 
and we're chasing feelings, trying to find pleasure to fill this emptiness on the inside of me, this void, this addiction that's screaming at me, not even realizing that I'm in the most amazing, wonderful place, but now I built a cage around my life. But instead of knocking cages down, I start decorating my cage to make my cage feel more like home. Killing me softly with his life. It's amazing how we enjoy the things that are killing us slowly. I keep buying into it. I keep getting deeper in it. This is exactly what we deal with. Now, now let me clarify something before you start hating on me. There's nothing wrong with, with having stuff. Nothing wrong with great feelings in life and enjoying the blessing and, and all this. Nothing wrong with someone knowing your name and, and getting influence in the culture. There's nothing wrong with any of that. The problem is when we start pursuing that as opposed to pursuing Christ. When, when those things have us instead of us having them, you begin to really find the fault line there and you decide, you discover the things that are building cages and locking me in because I promise you there is an itch that will never be scratched if we keep doing it the wrong way. If I'm seeking pleasure outside of Jesus it turns into a cage in a prison and now my life is holding me hostage and I wonder why I'm not going anywhere and I'm frustrated and I'm angry because they're going places I'm not going and they're looking back at you saying I'll trade lives with you right now and everybody who's frustrated is smiling like it's all good waving and then cussing each other out over here it's just an absolute train wreck of a mess because we're all seeking pleasure and nobody's got it it's the thing you can't get your hand on because as soon as you touch it, it runs. It's so elusive. It's a trap. It's a pleasure trap. And we all find ourselves dealing with it. All about my happiness. You see, it's, it's so easy to go sideways in life instead of going forward. Because traps are in front of all of us. A few years ago, Cindy and I had a home in Tampa and um, we, were, we were in bed one night, and I started hearing, boom, 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 boom. What in the world? I thought something was running across our roof. Boom, 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 and it got louder. And then all of a sudden, it was no longer like just across the roof. Like, okay, this is coming through our ceiling right now. Like, what in the world is this loud thumping and bumping and noise? Like, what is going on? She's like, go check it out. I said, I'm not checking it out. Go get Caleb. Let him look at it. I'm going to do that. And so I'm like, I, it, like I'm, get up there. It's the middle of the night. You kidding me? Something up in our attic. Next day, got the ladder out, pushed a little hole thing open to look up inside the attic, looking around up there. I didn't see anything. I saw that the insulation was kind of messed up here and there. I'm like, man, what? I don't know what's going on here. It's kind of weird. Maybe it was on the roof. I got down, back to bed that night. We're laying down in bed, almost the same exact time. Oh, Jesus. I mean, it's, it just, it's loud and loud. Oh, 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 no. And so all night you're just kind of waiting, just, just looking for something to come through the rain. It was, it was horrible. It was horrible. It, it, was, it was horrible. So, so the, next, the next day I get, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, let's see. So I get my ladder back out. I push the little thing open. Stick my head up there with a the flashlight. And when I looked up, I had two little eyeballs looking right at me. Look, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I, I came down. I changed my pants. I, I, I got, got all that. Like, like, I, 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 and and, and uh, monsters, we have monsters in that. It, it was a possum. We had a possum in our attic. Ha. <sighs> Called animal control. 
They showed up. Here came Ghostbusters. They come walking in. They, I mean, he, he's, he's got his little green shirt on and all that. And he comes walking in. And he's got his cage with him. And, and he gets up there and he's looking around. Yep, yep, yep. You, you. And he starts telling me he was so excited. He, he starts telling me about all the different rodents that we had. And so, he, and so he starts putting cages up there. And he says, by the way, uh, that, 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 uh, that possum, it's a mama and it's had babies. So he puts, he, puts, he puts the cage up there and he's getting it all set up. I'm like, okay. And so I'm just talking the guy through it. I'm trying to act like I got to go, like, get these monsters out of my house, right? And so I'm just, and so he gets the whole cage set. I'm like, whoa, why are, what, 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 how's this cage going to catch him? He goes, well, you'll see. He reaches in his back pocket and pulls out this little can of cat food, pops the top on it, and slides the cat food up inside the cage. I'm like, we ain't got cats up here. He said, oh, I know. They'll, 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 they'll come for that. He slid the little door back, laying in bed at night. And I promise you, almost the exact same time as the other, other two nights, boom. And man, you would have thought World War III was going on up there. And bam, bam. Now we could hear a cage going crazy. Like, oh, we got him. Cindy's like, go get him. I'm like, I ain't going to get him. We call, we'll call the little man. Let him come back tomorrow. And so we, we, we got a possum caged up there. Yes, we, we got him. Uh, call the man. And so the man came back the next day. He gets up and he pulls this possum. He was like 300 pounds and he had these fangs. It was like serious. And so they, 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 he, he got him out of there and began to catch all the other little babies because, you know, you don't kill them. You just transfer them to other places. And so anyway, he got, got rid of them. It was just scary. But, but here, here's, here's what I noticed. The little trapper guy, he didn't have the ability to catch the possum. All he could do, or, do was lure him in. All he could do was set the trap and put the bait that possum could have walked right by it all day long. Mm -mm, don't think so. And just kept right, could have just walked right past it. But instead, instead, the possum like, ooh, that smells so good. Kibbles and bits. And so, no, that's dog stuff. And so anyway, he, he and, 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 and saw it and then starts moving towards it and then stepped inside. And as soon as he got a mouthful, bam, the trap drops on him and he's stuck. And now he's on the way out of the Thomas house. Thank you. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that the trapper had the power to catch the possum. He had the tools to lure him in and to trap him. And once he's trapped, he could take him anywhere he wanted after that. Can I tell you something in this room today? The enemy of your life does not have the ability to trap you and to hold you. He does not have the power or authority over your life. But what he will do, what he will do is he will set some lures out there. And he will set up some traps. And he'll set up a trap for you that will lure you out of your business and bankrupt your house. He will set up a trap for you that will lead you into a dating situation that will take you on a five-year detour for your life. He'll set something up that can wreck your marriage. He'll set something up that can steal your peace of mind. He will lure us in by putting things out there that look good, smell good, taste good, and it draws you and I in. We've got to be so careful because we all are susceptible. We're one step away from making the wrong decision. You see, the things that trip us up, the things that lure us in, always look good, smell good, and are appealing to you. And what draws you in may not draw me in. And what draws me in might not draw you in, but we all have it. You could put a Milky Way candy bar up there. I ain't got no problem with that. 
You can put a three musketeers out there. I'm a pillar of discipline. But you pull a Reese cup out, killing me softly with his lie, and I'm up inside that thing right now. Let me ask you something. What's your Reese cup? What's that one thing that commands your attention and you snap your neck because it just owns you? When you get that smell, when you see, when that text message comes. I know I shouldn't, but oh my God. It's amazing how it draws us in and we know the entire time we shouldn't. You see, it takes one decision to wreck your progress. I'm one decision away from messing this marriage up. One decision. But I'm not walking on the edge and the ledge seeing how close I can walk to it. I'm walking back here. I ain't going to, I ain't, I'm not going to miss a step. I'm not going to go sideways. I'm, just, I'm, going, I'm going to stay away from the edge of that thing. You're, we're, we're, we're all one decision away from losing peace in our mind, one decision away from wrecking our finances, one decision away from turning our house inside out, one decision, one decision. You have the ability to do that. We have to be on guard to make sure that we're not so addicted to the pleasure in life that I'm just seeking the next feeling and I'm not moving my life somewhere intentionally. This happened at the nation of Israel. Israel as a nation was being led by, okay, so it was Moses, right? Let my people go. And so they came out of Egypt. And then Joshua steps in and he leads them through the promised land, or leads them through the wilderness, going to the promised land, gets to the promised land, comes in, defeats Jericho. Amazing story. Joshua's leading. It's awesome. By the time we get to Judges, the Bible says in Judges chapter 2 uh, that, that, that Joshua had died at 110 years old, but it gives an, an indictment against the nation of Israel and they go sideways. They go into bondage. And I want to show you why. Check this out. The Bible says in, in Judges 2.10, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. This generation knew about God, but they didn't have an experience with God. It's like the person who, 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 watches, who watches TV or they're reading all the magazines and they can tell you all about their favorite celebrity. They'll tell you about them, but they've never met them. They never had dinner with them. They don't know what their real feelings are. The only thing they know about them is what is told by other people, right? And so that's, that was the level of understanding that Israel had. This new generation that had come on. Joshua and all the elders that were with Joshua, they knew God. They had experienced God. They watched the miracles, the manna falling from heaven. They saw a cloud that covered this, them by day to protect them from the sun, a fire by night to keep leading them through. They witnessed miracles taking place, water coming out of a rock. They saw these things. They knew he is God. He is able to do whatever we need. He's our source. He's our supplier. But the Bible says that there's another generation who came up that did not know God and they didn't know about the things of God, what God could do. So that means God, Jehovah, was just another God. He was just something else to add to the plate. He was just another option in their life because there were other gods surrounding them as well that other nations believed in. So now the one true and living God was dumbed down to just being another God, not the God, because they didn't know him. They had never experienced him for themselves. Their mom and their dad did and their grandparents did. But when it comes to me, he's just 
he's just, the, well, our family, we, we go to church. That's what we do. Our, our family, we're Christians. I was born a Christian. No, you weren't born a Christian. But, but we're just born into that. That's just what we do. Instead of experiencing him where I had an encounter with God and I felt tears flowing down my face. I had an encounter with God that shook me from the inside out and I know that he's God. I, I know what it is to be at work and have a bad day and run out to my car, sit down and feel the presence of Jesus set in the room with me and bring a peace and a calm to my heart so that I know for myself. You see, here's the amazing thing about experiencing God. When some hell hits your life, it can only back you up to your last experience with God. And when you bump into that, you remember if he did it then, he can do it again and you step strong and you step forward. But if I don't have the experience, I've got nothing to rebound to. The nation of Israel, this new generation, they didn't have experiences. They knew information about God. They had data about God. They had been taught verses about him, but they never discovered him. And this generation, the old generation, never taught the next generation why he was their God. Let me tell you what he delivered me from. Let me tell you why he's the source of my life. Let me tell you how he got me out of that. Let me tell you how he found me where I was, how he healed my mind, and he gave me a new future again he put joy back in my heart and my life you got to know he's real and the only reason that our family is here today is because God has been good to us they weren't telling the stories and it was a bunch of data download but no connection it made the whole nation susceptible to believing the lie what lie that the nation beside them, the Canaanites who worshiped the God of Baal, that Baal was as good as Jehovah God. What? Are you serious? Mm -hmm. So a whole nation, the nation of Israel, starts looking to Baal because Baal was called the God of fertility. And Baal's priests begin to tell everybody, oh, when it rains, Baal did that. He's the God of fertility. He did that. That's why the crops grew, and that's why we're eating food that Baal gave us. Oh, and by the way, here's the amazing thing about Baal. This is so convenient. The way that we worship Baal is by having as much sex as we can. Sex is considered worship before Baal. So this is, this is how we know Baal. Like, okay, well, let me let, pump your brakes. Let me get this straight. Bell feeds you full of pizza and, has, and tells you to have sex as much as you can with whoever you want to, and that's worshiping him? Mm -hmm. Sign me up. Where is that right there? Pizza and sex sound like a good combination to me. Friday night, hey, this is exactly where Israel was. They bought into this lie. They said, okay, and for a long time, they were hooked. The nation is going sideways. They bought into the lie. They were God's people. They had God's promises. God had laid a beach out. He had every toy they would ever want. But because they believed the lie, they started building cages around their life and they weren't experiencing the full life that God said you could have. They got locked in. They got hemmed in. Their beach became boundaries. Now they're living in a prison. They're frustrated. They know they're supposed to be places that they're not right now. How do I get out of this situation? You've got to wreck the lie. They didn't know God and they had never discovered his power. And so what happened was Israel took the bait. They were enslaved into this pleasure trap for centuries. And things are falling apart because they tried to prostitute God for his blessings because they weren't interested in his relationship. 
They wanted the weekend fling. They just didn't want the wedding ring. I don't want to commit myself to him. I just want to have fun with him. And God doesn't have those relationships. You see, here's what I want you to know today. We're, we're, we're wrapping with this. Life will never be fulfilled by seeking pleasure. This is the fallacy. That the way you get pleasure is by seeking pleasure, by going after things that will make you, well, that's what I want, so that's what I want to go get and make me happy. No, it won't. No, it won't. Boom, it's gone. Boom, it's gone. Living for the next party. Man, but I know people who just living for the weekend. They're chasing a feeling. They're just chasing that next bump, that next hit. And every week, just another weekend, just another weekend. They just get through the week. If I can just get to the weekend, man, if I can just get to the weekend. And, and no weekend fulfills. In fact, it's usually done by midnight. It's over and now all of a sudden they're drained, lonely, frustrated. It doesn't work. What's going on? And they just irritation and life is just frustrating because we're chasing pleasure instead of living life on purpose. Let me show you how you get pleasure in your life. How do we get it? I'm glad you asked. It's in my notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says this. Christ did die for all of us. He died, look at this, so we would no longer live for ourselves, but for the one who died and was raised to life for us. Jesus said, I died so you could stop living for yourself and start living for me. Because as long as you live for yourself, you're always going to be trying to please yourself, seeking what you think you want. It's going to be a dead end. You're going to get your hands on things you wish you wouldn't have. You're going to step into traps. They're going to lock your life in. You're just going to be frustrated. Stop it. Let me be the one that watches out for your life. Let me be the one that directs where you go. Let me be the one who makes the decisions. In fact, put it this way. You seek me and let me handle your pleasure. This is how life works. If you, if, if you seek pleasure, Pleasure, you'll never have it. If you seek me, pleasure is going to chase you. This is what I'm trying to tell you. If you do it my way, you get my results. Culture, culture gets this whole thing twisted. You see, the pleasure principle is a vertical issue. It's not a horizontal issue. Pleasure does not come from the horizontal relationships. Like who are you with and who are you getting it from and what do you own? It's just going this way after money, after job, after opportunity, after people, after relationship, after party. What is it I'm seeking? That's horizontal. Pleasure will never come out of horizontal relationship. It only comes when we go vertical in our relationship. When I look back to him, you see, here's the thing. Have you ever thought if I could just date them, boy, life would be better. Have you ever thought that before? If they, Man, if I could just date them. If I could just, if I just own that oh my god if I could just get that car if I could just get that if I could just live there and all of a sudden you get it and all you have now are payments that's what it gives you and frustration that's what happens when we go horizontal but when I turn my eyes vertical when I get my eyes off of me and chasing things and people all of a sudden I'm not addicted to people's approval all of a sudden now I don't need to wear a certain label to know that I'm good I don't I'm not I'm not addicted to the drug of just looking for the next emotional high I've got the most high who is leading all things in my life and I'm walking strong with a purpose and a joy and a focus there's advance in my life there's peace I sleep good at night I've got a joy and a rest that nothing in this world can give me only eat you see here's what you've got to know God would be an absolute idiot to create anything in your world that had the ability to replace him in your life this is why I say Christians are actually the best advertisement for those who have chosen to put their trust in him instead of them. Because you see, if money were enough, you wouldn't have needed Jesus. 
if Disney were enough, you wouldn't be here right now. If, if the job, if the prestige, if dating them, if, 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 if Instagram followers, if all that was actually going to please and satisfy the itch in your life, you wouldn't be here right now. But the truth is, you got those things and kept coming up empty. You got your hands on those things and it gutted you. You got your hands on those things and you cried yourself to sleep the same night that you got the chance to hold it. It's amazing how what we got our hands on began to rob us instead of pleasing us. Why do we keep chasing cages? Why do we keep chasing the lure and the bait instead of I'm not going horizontal. I want to point my eyes and my heart back to him. So now my question is no longer what is it that pleases me? My question has flipped. What can I do to please him with my life? I want my marriage to please him. I want this dating relationship to please him. I want my money to please him. I want my health to please him. Who I am in private, I want it to please him. Who I am on vacation, I want it to please him. How I run this business, I want it to please him. How I raise my children, I want it to please him. How I talk to my spouse, I want it to please him. Everything I do comes tinted with if this makes him happy, then when I please him, pleasure is poured back in my life. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 16 verse 11, you will show me the path that leads to life. Your presence fills me with joy and brings pleasure forevermore. God is the only one who shows you the path in life and God is the only one who can fulfill the joy passion that you have on the inside. There is a pleasure principle. I know Janet Jackson sung about it in 1986, but I'm here to tell you Jesus is the one who decided the pleasure principle and there's a lot of lies going on in a culture as to how you get it there's only one who's been standing the test of time his name is Jesus he says if you give me your life if you'll do things my way if you'll keep your eyes up instead of out I will take you by the hand and lead you forward and you'll live in pleasure and joy and increase because the Bible says this God knows how to bless you and add no sorrow to it you can get some things that people would call blessing but it comes with payment and it comes with emotional distress and it comes robbing you in time and emotion but that's not the way God does it God says you give me your life I'll put an advance to your life that no one understands because when you please me I will make sure to please your life ladies and gentlemen the only way to live this life is with the proper pleasure principle understanding who he is and he is the only one who can satisfy your heart would you stand to your feet come on If I pursue pleasure, I lose my relationship with Jesus. If I pursue Jesus, pleasure chases me down. The way you get what you want is by making it chase you instead of you chasing it. That makes it a whole lot easier in life. When I was in college, Cindy and I were in college together. We ended every convocation, every chapel service, every meeting by quoting this little passage in Psalm 16. And it simply said this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart put a smile on your face every moment of my life oh lord my strength and my redeemer let the words of my mouth and the meditations the thoughts the motives the intentions of my heart put a smile on your face wherever i am and whoever i'm with oh lord my strength and my redeemer we will live our lives with that verse as our conviction. Ladies and gentlemen, pleasure will be all over your life. Cages will disappear. You see, here's the problem with cages. You lose your vision and you lose your reach. It's obstructed. I can see it, but I can't touch it. I can't see like everybody else can see. Something's in the way. But when we begin to knock the lies down, no longer distracted by the feelings, and I choose to serve him instead of them, life comes at me. Life comes at you. We're going to pray. And I just want, I want to challenge you to start doing a reckoning in your own heart. I, I, with, I, me too, me too. I get jacked up. I go sideways like everybody, so there's no superstars in this. Would you please look at your neighbor and tell him, the pastor has a lot of issues. Just, would you just tell somebody that the pastor has a lot of issues? Because I, Yes, that's, that's me. Come on, it, it, there's, no, there's, there's no rock stars here. That was a really big amen from the front row if you didn't hear it down here. Thank you, Cindy. I appreciate that. But I'm, I'm declaring your best days are ahead of you. And the blessings of heaven are going to chase you down and overtake your life. Swallow you up in the good and the perfect things that God has for you. Father, thank you today for the ability that we have to align our lives with you. God, we all need you. We're all working through something. We all struggle in some areas. What, 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 what tempts me, what, what tries to lead me astray doesn't do that for others. But God, we all have that thing. We all have that, that sideways distraction trying to pull us out of your plan for our life. So I, I pray today, God, whether we're in the room or online, that, that you would speak to our heart and as we just, as we make the resolve to recenter our life on you, to look to you, to please your pleasure, not ours, to, to make you the focus of our life, not, not me, to, to look up instead of out, to please you instead of them. God, as we, as we just realign everything and we're reminded that pleasing you is the ultimate way to live our life so that pleasure then chases us. God, today, just, just help to remind us, not just today, but, but then on Monday and, and then again Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, would you awaken us again to the reality that you are the way of life. You are the source to pleasure. You are the only way that fulfillment comes back to us. If we'll just do it your way, you're not robbing us of anything. You're giving us everything. God, help us to live lives that please you, that honor you, that put smiles on your face. That's our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you receive that today, would you put your hands together?